All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hello, friend. This is an episode of Note to Self, but from when we used to be called New Tech City. Same good content, just the old name. Enjoy. You're listening to New Tech City. I'm your host, Manoush Zamarodi. And usually this show is about how technology is changing the way we live. But this episode is about how tech has changed the way we sleep or don't sleep. Every time you get that hit of light, it's like taking a sip of espresso. We'll show you how technology has interrupted and altered sleep through the ages. It occurred in a very protracted, erratic way, as with other forms of biological change during the Industrial Revolution. You'll hear why we don't sleep like we used to. We're living on an endless summer of light. And you'll get some solutions to finding peace and feeling completely rested. It made me wonder if... Any of us knows what it's really like to be awake, fully awake. My personal goal every night, more or less, is to sleep straight through from around, I don't know, 10.30 p.m. to like 6.30 a.m. But a solid night's sleep is so not how our bodies are actually programmed to work. I'm a walking and breathing sleep laboratory. Meet Roger E. Kirch, a historian at Virginia Tech. I go by my middle name, Roger. E. Kirch studies the way we sleep, and he's the author of a book called At Day's Close, which is about the history of what we do at night. And he says that we used to, in the pre-industrial world, that world before electricity or gas lighting, we used to have segmented sleep. Segmented sleep uh, in the abstract refers simply to rather than sleeping in one consolidated block, uh, sleeping in two. Uh, Biphasic sleep uh, is a synonym. Right. So we would finish toiling in the fields and then put our heads down with the sun. After three, maybe four hours, we'd wake up into the darkness Maybe you'd just lie there and chill out or have a snuggle with someone or throw another log on the fire, sing a song or two with whoever else was up, and then it was back to bed and more sleep. For roughly an equivalent period of time. Ekerch is credited with discovering that we used to sleep like this. When he was examining the fine print of centuries-old depositions and books like the Canterbury Tales, he found references to this different way of sleeping. But Ekerch says segmented sleep ended in the early 19th century. You can guess what happened then. Gaslighting was then introduced uh, first within factories and on streets following London's example in 1807. Artificial light. Bedtimes got pushed back. With the consequence that individuals felt more fatigued upon retiring. People were more tired. And when their drive to sleep 
was thereby heightened, they would sleep for a longer duration, more deeply, and more soundly. One big sleep session a night instead of two. But not only were we up and about more because of all this light everywhere, our circadian rhythm, the human body clock, that tiny bundle of cells lying toward the base of our brains. Yes, it was reset. And that's where Dr. Thomas Ware comes in. Just as Roger E. Kirch was discovering segmented sleep in literature, Ware was finding it in the lab. I did an experiment where I had healthy people go into a dark room for 14 hours every night. No, he didn't torture them. In a minute, you'll hear that Dr. Ware not only confirmed what our natural sleep patterns should be, but he found that when people started sleeping naturally in two segments, they went into an altered state. An altered state that's not very familiar to us moderns. New Tech City is supported by Hover, helping you get the best domain names to represent you or your business. If you want to get your ideas on the internet, Hover will help you find the right domain name and include all the tools and support you need to manage it. For 10% off your first purchase, go to hover.com and type in the promo code REBOOT. LegalZoom. If you've been thinking about starting your own business, LegalZoom can help you do it. Learn more about DBAs, LLCs, incorporation, trademarks, and other ways to protect your business and assets at LegalZoom.com. LegalZoom provides self-help services and can connect you with an attorney, but they're not a law firm. Enter technology in the referral box at checkout for a special discount for New Tech City listeners. Okay, we're back. I'm Anoush Samarodi, and this is New Tech City's sleep episode. We're talking to Thomas Ware, a psychiatrist and researcher at the National Institute of Mental Health. He confirmed in his lab that before artificial light, we used to sleep in segments. And not only that, he discovered long ago being awake, well, it felt different. Modern humans don't really experience much in the way of changes in day length because we use artificial light to extend our waking hours into the evening. So in a way... We're living on a kind of endless summer of light. It all comes down to how much time we spend or don't spend in the dark. I did an experiment where I had healthy people go into a dark room for 14 hours every night for at least a month, in some cases for three months. Initially, Dr. Ware was trying to measure melatonin levels. That's that hormone in our bodies that regulates our daily biological clock but I realized that actually no one had ever done an experiment like this. No one had ever really looked to see how humans respond to changes in day length. So I I thought I should really measure everything I could manage to measure, and that included sleep. And the sleep findings were actually some of the most surprising and interesting ones. And remember that segmented sleep that we heard about earlier? The way people used to sleep before the gaslight and electricity invaded our homes? Well, that segmented sleep came back. The healthy people in this study started to sleep in two parts. In the dark, nature crept back in. So they would typically lie awake for a couple of hours and then suddenly fall asleep, maybe sleep three, four, five hours, and then wake up for an hour or two, and then go back to sleep and sleep another three, four, five hours, 
maybe for a total of eight and a half hours. So I tend to think of this as a kind of, let's say, natural human sleep or sort of default human sleep. Ware watched and tracked and watched and tracked these regular people drifting off night after night in his special sleep box. And it almost seemed like they were reaching a higher state of mind. The people in the experiment where they were lying down at night and, you know, for 14 hours, they got a lot of rest. And one of the things that came out of this study was that when you lie down and rest, there's a hormone that starts being secreted at a much higher rate, which is called prolactin. And prolactin in other animals seems to induce kind of a quiescent meditative state, which I think is very conducive to sleep. So even when people were awake in the middle of the night, they were kind of in an altered state that's not very familiar to us moderns, that I think is perhaps akin to meditation. Maybe that's what people are seeking in meditation, is this what was once a natural altered state of mind. If Ware sounds a bit poetic on this, it's because his research really did uncover something profound. His findings make our daily life out to be some kind of sleep theft. Waking up to an alarm clock, indoor lighting that tricks our eyes into seeing a perpetual high noon, air conditioners and heaters that stave off the chill of evening and the baking heat of afternoon sunshine. All the cues our bodies look for about when to rest and when to wake— They're being intentionally muted by machines that we've built. So when Ware's research subjects entered the pure, pure dark, the first thing that happened was their bodies cashed in on a huge sleep debt. They paid back something like 17 hours of sleep on average. But it took three weeks to pay it back. When that happened, people would sometimes say they felt a kind of crystal clear consciousness when they were awake that was not familiar to them. And it it made me wonder if any of us knows what it's really like to be awake, fully awake, with our degree of sleep debt that we carry around. Waking up is different when you've truly, really truly had enough sleep. When people would wake up in the middle of the night between these two periods of sleep, They would usually wake up from REM sleep, and REM sleep, to a certain extent, is associated with very vivid, emotional, narrative-type dreams. And so they would wake up from these dreams in a sort of altered meditative state and be awake for maybe an hour or two. And it sort of struck me that that would be very conducive to kind of assimilating information and feelings that occur in dreams and ancient cultures paid a lot of attention to dreams, and it was kind of woven into life in general. That period of wakefulness in the middle of the night, we've closed it off by the way we sleep. And so, in a way, we've closed off a channel to dreaming and to the the functions that dreaming might uh, serve in our lives. I mean, that's fascinating to me, because if there's anything that you hear in today's sort of go, go, go culture. It's about, we must be more creative. We must get more done. We must tap new ideas. And kind of what you're saying is, here's a spot where you could get those new ideas, that creativity, where you could tap it. It doesn't cost any money. It's right there waiting for you. Yes, absolutely. Wow. I know when I was doing this experiment, when I would come home, 
I would not turn on the lights in the house. And I would just experience the natural dusk. And it's a very profound, tranquilizing thing to do. Just having bright lights on and then suddenly off is very different than this. There's something, like I say, sort of tranquilizing and sedating about the gradual fading of the light. We just don't experience that at all. And I think it's a very powerful stimulus that in former times would have caused people to kind of settle down, you know, kind of get sleepy and go to bed early, kind of living from sun to sun. Sleeping sun to sun. I love the idea of coming home from work, not turning on the lights, just calming down, enjoying the dusky evening, and then going to sleep early. But that is never going to happen. In this day and age, we all have our reasons for getting to bed late or just being in front of a screen right up until the last minute when you turn out the light and go to sleep. Lorna Herf gets it. I understand how it is. I've done the startup thing, and I I have kids. I know. Lorna and her husband, Michael. Hello. (laughs) They accept life in the 21st century, but they say there's a big problem with all the screens that we're surrounded by these days. The blue light coming from those screens replicates daylight, making us feel like we're drinking coffee through our eyes. We calibrate screens to look um, like daylight. In fact, more like a cloudy day than, than even sunlight. So it turns out that that spectrum is where we see the most contrast in the widest range of colors. And as a side effect, actually, it's, it's the most alerting to our bodies. It tells, it tells our bodies it's daylight. And the problem with looking just like daytime is when you're using it at midnight, you're actually reprogramming your circadian rhythm to stay up later. Our bodies think it's daytime, and they stop making enough of that sleepy hormone, melatonin. So the Herfs figured out a solution. They changed the color of the light coming out of their digital devices. So it's kind of like that moment in a nice restaurant where they dim the lights, and everything feels warmer and everybody relaxes, and you would say, if you were a photographer, that the color temperature changed. They call their hack Flux, and at first, it required the user to type in specific codes to change the color of the screen's light based on the time of day. And um, we found that we were doing it the same way every night and in well, the we, morning. We just kept changing it. And in the morning, you'd have to set it back again because you didn't want an orange screen in the morning. Lorna and Michael realized they could automate this and that by using Flux, they really were getting tired and going to bed earlier. You know, sometimes when you make a new thing, you, you just think, Certain thing about the world bugs me more than other people, and maybe I'm the only person in the world who cares about this. Right, right? nobody's going to want to turn their screen <laughs> orange at night, but whatever. So we, we put it online for a few friends, and right away we sort of said, you know, this might make you sleep better. So far, about 10 million people have downloaded the software from Flux, they say. From the science we've seen, the benefit is there to not seeing that blue light at night. You have people that are using their phones as their alarm clocks, You have people that check their phones all night long to make sure they didn't get a critical message from work or, worse, kids getting texts in the middle of the night. You know, every time you get that hit of light, it's like taking a sip of espresso. And um, we'd like to fix that for everybody. So what's the message here? We can use technology to fight the effect it has on our sleep. Fight fire with fire. But even Lorna and Michael Herf admit that flux doesn't get rid of all the blue light coming from our screens. 
And really, the best thing for us to do? Shut those devices off at least an hour before going to bed. And I have been trying to do that as part of WNYC's Sleep Data Project. Hundreds of listeners have joined my team. Whoop, the digital detoxers. We are cutting back on screen time. We are banning cell phones from the bedroom. And we are taking back darkness. CFR attempt to stop tech from screwing up our sleep is actually working at newtechcity.org. And hey, if you enjoyed this journey through time, sleep, and technology, please take a second and become a subscriber to our podcast on iTunes. Subscribing really makes a big difference for me and the team, and you will sleep better knowing that you've supported us on our quest to document how tech is changing the way we live. I'm Anoush Samarodi. Thank you so much for listening. Two years ago, I tackled my nightstand, believing that I was playing in a football game. My wife uh, looked down and and said nonchalantly, uh, maybe we should dust off the kids' bed rails. (laughs) 